and welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Steph Fairburn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Tim Bradbury. Originally from Stoke-on-Trent in England, an invite to work at a soccer camp led Tim to the USA. Years later, he is now Director of Coaching at Eastern New York Youth Soccer Association, a US Youth National Instructor, and NSCAA National Staff. I was struck recently by a phrase Tim posted on Twitter, give the game back to the kids. So I caught up with him to talk about what it means, how we as coaches can create safe spaces, and how we bring parents along on that journey. Tim, welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Do you want to start by giving us a bit of a, an overview of who you are as a coach and maybe a bit about your coaching journey? Absolutely. So a potted two-minute version. Originally from Stoke-on-Trent, uh, was a player who was told he was too slow. That fueled me to continue to play, but also coach and play at the same time. Forced me into a teaching degree at West London Institute where I was lucky enough to be involved with Tom Tranter and Charlie Hughes. Did my FA stuff, got offered a job in America, working for a soccer camp, came over to America, did all the licensing, eventually became an educator for both United Coaches and US Soccer. Uh, by virtue of the fact, when I worked for a private company, I trained 600, 800 Brits every year, some of which resided in America on a continual basis. So we went to a field twice a week for eight weeks in the spring and eight weeks in the fall. Thanks, Tim. Now, I'd be really interested by some of the stuff you've been posting on Twitter recently. And and I've pulled out a quote, which is, give the game back to the kids. So can you tell us a bit about, I guess, what you've been seeing in youth soccer and and what you mean by that phrase? Absolutely. I guess the connected phrase is adults hate kids thinking because for some strange reason, rather than allow kids to make decisions, good or bad, and therefore learn from the experience, coaches and adults alike seem determined to make decisions for them, to shout on an order which is often based on fear because of winning being the main thing or the only thing. So phrases like, get it out of there, whack it, boot it, kick it, and unfortunately, because most youth kids still see mum and dad as a hero figure, understandably. They often respond to that order based on fear before they do a coach who's asking a gentle question. So in my mind, we've started to rob the joy of youth sports from our players. Street soccer, unfortunately, for a variety of cultural issues, has become a thing of the past. Kids can't just go out and play anymore. So it's an adult-governed event where adults are controlling the actions and the kids often don't get to think. So why is it important? I mean, you've just referenced enjoyment there, which is, I think, the main purpose of the game. But why else is it so important that we we give these kids a chance to think and make their own decisions? If you constantly just respond to orders and you don't get to think for yourself, you've no idea what to base a decision on. So context doesn't matter pressure on you in the game doesn't matter you just respond to an order so you're robbing them of all the different agendas there are for making decisions space time what's around me 
etc. All the little pieces from the game that we're all well aware of. I can only start to make sensible decisions once I start to unravel all those little pieces and my own constraints. Without all those pieces, my ability to even make a decision is obviously just disappears. So for, for coaches, how can we make sure that we're creating a safe space to, to make that possible, to, to allow kids to make their own decisions? I think you have to always start with core values. So what as a coach, why am I doing this? What are my drivers? And whenever you ask a coach, a youth coach, what their drivers are, they'll all say things like, I'm in it for the kids. I love kids. I want them to have fun. They'll give you all the sound bites. Very few, if any, will say, I'm just in it for me. They just don't do that. And as soon as they tell you their core values, I think if you're articulate, smart enough, and have played the game often enough, you can quickly realize, have them realize that the reasons they got in it, the core values that they say drive their behavior, are things that they've quickly deserted. So how do we, you know, I guess, and so is that some of the work that you do, looking at making sure coaches actually revisit those core values they said they align with and, and try and bring that out in their practice? You have to make them ultimately aware that, the reasons they got into it for and how they behave on the field are two different things. They're two opposing sides of a coin. They say they're in it. Um, I'm a, Amanda Visick is a friend of mine who did the fun maps, who define quite clearly the components of fun that our youth players uh, find most enjoyable, like learning skills, like having their opinions heard, like being autonomous and making decisions. So if you can convince them that these are what kids truly value and a video later, you just have to video a coach's behaviour on the touchline. Uh, we talk about growth mindset as an example of our mistakes are just opportunities to grow. And as soon as a kid makes a mistake in a game, the coach hauls them off. Well, if that's your behaviour, how do you expect them to believe that you think growth mindset and mistakes are opportunities to grow? So coaching behaviours and coaching actions just betray the fact that we're in it for the kids. You said as well there that I think that you know a focus on winning can can lead to this, and I and I think sometimes as adults we're uncomfortable with chaos or things that don't look ordered, and actually sometimes unordered sessions are the ones where kids are allowed to make mistakes. And do you think there's certain elements of unlearning that maybe we have to do as adults when we're trying to coach? Depends. I shouldn't say this because of my age, but it depends on your age. If you were so I was taught to play sports in a drill-based fashion. So in my little school in Trantum, 36 kids playing tennis, one racket, two rackets, one for the teacher, one for the kid. Stand in the line, get one chance to hit it, hit it into the net, go to the back of the line. So as you said, it was all ordered. I'm sure parents liked it because it was a really straight line because we were terrified of the teacher. But I was at the back of that line pulling people's shorts down to have my own fun. So you have to unlearn if you've been brought up in that environment where we've tried to take away the chaos, to use your word, with all the wonderful pieces of soccer. We often say to our coaches, if it doesn't look like a slice of the game, it's probably got no place in learning the game. So whether yeah. it be 3v2, 4v3, something with direction, hopefully, but without being a slice of the game, there's no context for learning to take place. And then there's no carryover to when you do play the game. So... 
I guess as well, we, we've kind of got two parts. We've got training and then we've got match day. What's your take on how the approaches should differ? You know, should we guide a little bit more in training and then aim to say almost nothing but encouragement on match day? Or would, would you have a different balance? So there's two types of training. We're either training for performance. We've got a big game. We know this team squeeze high. That's an example. Therefore, in training... I'll probably be a bit more command-based because I'm not interested in learning. I'm just interested in your performance in the game. Or we've got a coach who decides, okay, I want to teach two-player combinations today. So a definite learning aim. I actually believe that every practice you run, and I understand why sometimes it's tipped towards performance. I believe every practice we run should involve kids learning something. Well, when I say learning, you're teaching something because learning takes longer. We may have to come back to it, but you're planting seeds that you can come back to so they understand certain concepts and skills of the game. But sometimes imparting knowledge is important, so it's okay to model, it's okay to tell. Only when they've picked up a certain amount of knowledge can they start to embroider that in problem solving. So I believe that you do have to command, you do have to tell, you do have to share knowledge. And then they go through a phase where you can begin to have them problem solve based upon that. When we're coaching in a game, my I talk about the rule of three. So the rule of three is quite simply, we remember it in cycles of three. That's people. And therefore, if I plant three seeds for my, use my U8s for this weekend. So I coach a U8 girls team. Uh, we talked about shape, trying to keep the ball and switching the point of attack. Those were our three goals. So regardless of the score, if in our process and playing we achieved those three goals, it was a win. So I take away the winning completely. The parents know we've got three things we're trying to focus on. And if we do them, it was a success. So I've moved the goalposts away from winning. And then when I'm coaching a game within that, because the game is about them making decisions, I only coach in questions. Rebecca, how quickly can you get wide? Samantha, how can you help us spread out? Because at the end of a question is a thought, as opposed to the end of an order is an automatic response. So then, and, and I think we've probably all been in this situation, we've maybe been on the sideline and we've seen a coach, the coach of the other team, maybe coaching in a way that is very directive, that, that we might not agree with. Do you think we have an obligation sometimes as coaches to maybe bring that up, discuss that, do do something about it. In, you're going to get me in trouble, aren't you? <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> my, my rule of thumb is always kids first. So if an adult is behaving in a way which is counterproductive to a kid having fun or learning, I'm on a bound to speak up. I'm on a bound because I have a certain amount of knowledge about coaching, about teaching, about methods. And I believe that you're helping them become a better coach, fulfilling their potential, and ultimately you're protecting a kid. We all know the figures on kids leaving the game. 75% by 13 years of age, 80%. We can't carry on allowing it to happen, is my opinion. And I think you have to be polite. I think you have to be curious. Why are you behaving like that? What are you trying to achieve? I think you have to raise awareness. I think all those pieces are true. But you're not, I'm not Switzerland. No intention of being Switzerland. Yes, you have to speak up. 
And I wanted to go back to something you, you said earlier as well. So you said, you know, training for performance. So I coach an under 13 girls team. And I think this is one thing where my co-coach and I maybe differ in that he will look up, say we're playing a team, he'll look up their previous results, how they're doing. I don't want to know because I don't want to do anything about adjusting my formation for the other team, adjusting because I'm because I want to work on what we've been building and kind of building our identity. When do you think looking at the other team and adjusting maybe what you're doing for that, when should that start to come in? At, at what age or at what level? So it's really asking about when winning is more important. For me, it would be 17. Because by 17, I should have taught you enough about the skills of the game, about what we're trying to achieve, about how to solve problems on your own. It's a back four if you're playing against three or playing against two. I will have taught you enough by then that you can start to solve the problem on your own. So by 17, I should be able to sit back, watch the kids coach each other, watch the subs give feedback and collect information, and they're solving all the problems. I believe that's when you start to cater for what the other team are doing. And I think it should be player driven. So if we set up out a 4-4-2 and their three central midfield players are destroying our two, I'd really want it to be player driven. The kids come to us and say, OK, we're getting we're done three V2 in the middle of the field because we're not dealing with it well. And then they can talk about solutions. Is it a wide player pinching in? Is it one of the back four step, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The problem solving piece is all, for me, based upon how well you've taught the kids. And if the kids can't solve that problem and they can't even tell you what the opponent is doing, perhaps it's time to go find something else to coach. Now, I'm sure you're going to love this question. Everyone does, but you've mentioned parents a few times. Um, how do we bring parents along on that? journey of not being all about winning and, and allowing kids to make their own decisions it's an easy one with constant effort constant care and by building a bridge it's a truism to truth the canon that no kid fulfills their potential unless player parent and coach have got a synergy i don't care how good you are if you've got the parents as an enemy that kid will not fulfill their potential because they're hearing too much in the background about what a bad coach you are, how bad the team is, how bad the environment is. So square one is it's all built out of love. Everything they do, they do is out of love. Sometimes it's misguided. But if I acknowledge that fact, and I know that they're their biggest proponent of their kid, I've got to find a way to get them on side. I haven't dealt with a parent group who I've tried to educate and I know we don't talk about educating, sharing experience with parents who haven't brought into this. As soon as they know that we have to be a team, they will listen, they will start to corral their behaviour, they will be supportive of the situation. It's a question I ask every coach on a course. So I teach a lot of courses for US soccer. And typically at the start of it, every coach says the parents are the enemy. What a ridiculous place to begin from. So do you advocate for kind of, I guess, not goal setting, but maybe value setting among parents, players, coaches, clubs, and that's making sure question. that's aligned? Yeah, so clubs in America, 
are just a collection of kids who play in the same shirts. So there's no values that go top to bottom. But whenever I'm coaching a group of kids, it's their team, not my team. First thing we talk about is, and if you word it well, you can do it with eight-year-olds. So I ask my eight-year-olds, tell me three things you'd like a friend on the team to be. And they'll say, honest, caring, and hardworking. Those were the three that came out. So we've got three core values, which is great for our team. We'll always be honest, caring, and hardworking. So we'll never fall below that standard. Then I have the same meeting with the parents, but just share. This is what your kids came up with. What great core values you've instilled them as a group of parents. But you as a team of parents are going to be as important as the team on the field. You decide three core values. And when you say that to a group of parents, they look at you like you're like from Star Trek or something. But they quickly start to understand the reason because they'll say the same sorts of things, almost copy what the kids have done. Okay, so that leads into this is how we're going to solve problems. You won't always be happy with how I coach. It's understandable. You'd love your kid. But the way we deal with that is to have an open, honest conversation. There's no screaming and shouting allowed. You're not allowed to talk about other kids. So if you build this fabric of core values, you get the synergy that you want. So what would you say to, you know, a lot a lot of these things are hard and you have to have some hard conversations. And, you know, there are coaches just starting out in the game, not used to this kind of thing that will find myself included. I haven't been in the game too long, but that will find these conversations difficult. So what would you say, first of all, to newer coaches to kind of build I was going to say shield, but build up the confidence to have those conversations and also to coaches that have been in it longer that need to support these newer coaches. So two parts, I think, to that, and it's a great question. Confidence is born of experience. So you're back to your growth mindset. I'm going to have this speech. I will have prepared it really well. This is my present first presentation for parents. These are the three key things I'm going to hit. You record it, so you video it. Knowing that you're going to make mistakes, it's your first one. Guess what? We're all going to learn. So be happy to learn because it's what you ask your players to do. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. We can't say to our kids, oh, be happy when you make a mistake because you're going to learn. But by the way, I'll never put myself in that situation. That's obviously very hollow. So I think mindset is the first thing that protects you. And then you let into the second thing. Find a mentor. Find someone who is of the same values that you are, somebody who has walked the walk, taught the talk, has got the scars along with it and can help you through the process. Thanks, Tim. Well, final question, similar to that one, I guess, but what would you want anyone listening to this? What's the key thing you'd want them to take away from it? It's the kid's game. It's back to the same message. Coaches, it's not your team. Parents, it's not your team. We all pretend we're in it for the kids. Let's make that a truth, which means they have to be allowed to have the experiences. It's okay to lose. Perhaps you learn a bit of resilience. It's okay to be on a new team. Perhaps you'll make new friends. So all these things that parents carry around like an axe just need a healthy perspective. That was the voice of Tim Bradbury. Thanks to Tim for his time, sharing his experience and giving us all some food for thought. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. 
I'm Steph Babin. See you again soon. Bye.